A reading from the Gospel of John. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned the their temple their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus had spoken. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This year we're going to get treated to the reading of Jesus's cleansing of the temple, or some such thing, twice. First in this lesson from John, and secondly, in a lesson from the Gospel of Mark. Now it's interesting that there are both those lessons, and in each of the Gospels, Jesus does do something in the temple that causes problems between himself and the authorities there. Um, in recent days, I would remind us all that we've seen what happens when honored places are disturbed over and above whatever actual import there is when people get violent or destroy things or turn things over, it really goes to the core of who we are. We honor places a lot. We honor the Capitol. We honor the White House. We honor the mall. In the church, we honor our buildings. I remember last year while we were still just doing Zoom meetings, how powerful it was during Holy Week to re-enter the church in that wonderful and gracious way that, that Tracy, sitting in that place off to my right here in the memorial garden, was framed as she stood up and brought us back into this space in the church. I know it means a lot. It always has. There's a tension between the people of God and the things that they love and the things that anchor them and the love of God himself. Sometimes they interfere with each other. And there's, a, there's been a tension in the Bible throughout. In the lessons today, we read from the book of Exodus the words of the Ten Commandments, 
It's not so easily delineated into 10, by the way, in this narrative, but that's what we're reading. I once had a professor who asked me and challenged me, he said, what if instead of hearing commandments, we tried to listen to these words and understand that they were a love note from God? Really? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. But when we remember what happened, that a people enslaved in Egypt who were not independent, who did not know liberty, are spoken to by God, and he walks with them and guides them out of their slavery into a wilderness where he can form them. Now, I would expect that in most love relationships, we have a period of time when we've walked out of whatever we knew before we knew this person. And we walk in a period of relational formation. A lot of it is driven by all sorts of wonderful things that jazz us up, make us feel special, and help us to make that person want to feel special. And that's what this relationship with the Jewish people is about. And in many ways, the most important part of their relationship was founded before they got to the land of Canaan. It was a promise from God. God walks with his people in these relational places a lot. He asked Abraham to leave his home without knowing where he was going and that he had a land promised for him. And he leads Abraham to what becomes the land of the people of Israel. But over time, the people get complacent and they forget who their God is. They forget these 10 commandments and they fall in love with the temple, which is God's abiding place. I get you, but they seem to think the temple is more important than their relationship with God, and God overturns that as well. And then we in our churches can have the same thing happen, where this wonderful, spiritual, prayed over, sweated over, cried over place becomes more important than our relationship with God, and we do things to it. One of the things I do love about St. Francis is our place is simple and we haven't overly commercialized it. It's a wonderful thing. I've lived and been in churches. My sponsoring parish, St. Bartholomew's in New York City, some of the parishes where we've had grand buildings and we begin to invest too much in the building. One of the more ironic times in my life was in St. Bartholomew's, in New York City, I'm not going to be coy about it. It has been and will be in my lifetime a place challenged by its finances because the glorious edifice that was created there is awfully expensive to maintain. And the people of St. Bartholomew's have often invested a lot into that marble and stone and wonderfully creative expression of value to God. And then there are things that have happened that have just been wonderfully ironic in it. I had a friend and we, there was a columbarium at St. Bartholomew's 
And he once said, maybe we should charge in order to uh, get the gap in our budget made up or to, in order to create more endowments so that we can repair this place. Maybe we should charge to be closer to the family of the Vanderbilts who were in that columbarium. He was being cheeky, yes. But he was understanding some of the investment of people's values of God into a place. It was ironic because if you had gone down to the columbarium when he said it, it was filled with detritus because it had become a storage room. Holy places and our visions of them often confound our true relationship with God. It's really hard to maintain those relationships under the weight of buildings and other things. And to create that balance is often difficult. Jesus was in a place and time where that relationship was out of balance and out of sorts. The building that he was referring to in this and the Jews were referring to, and this is a building that they actually had a really difficult relationship with, not because it was the temple, but because the wonderful and most beautiful edifice that was built now of the second temple of Solomon was, it was built by Herod. He had spent a lot of money making it a good place and beautiful place. And the people had a really difficult relationship with Herod. And yet, it was so meaningful to them. It was the place where all of the high holy days were met and came into being. And I think about this during this past year, when we've been forcibly separated from these pews. Yes, we have these wonderfully imaginative ways to sit in the pews. Thank you, Patrick, and thank you, technology people. And it evokes such passion when people see themselves in the pews that they inhabit. And that is a wonderful thing. And we may not yet be able to occupy these pews for the highest and most beautiful day of our year, Easter. But we're getting there. But there are a couple of things that I think in these two passages that I pointed out this morning that are really important to hold with us. Number one, the temple is not more important than God. That's what Jesus is saying. He says the temple of his body where the word of God was inhabiting, this wonderfully mixed mystical sense that John is able to speak of, is what would be raised in three days. The temple of the people was important but not more important than an actual relationship with God himself. The same thing was true when the Israelites were in the desert and had been removed from their homes, the places that had sustained them, and even in slavery for so long, they were anxious and worried, and God sends this love note that says, these are the ways to be with each other so that you and I might be together, this whole community and me individually with you. Follow these ways, and they will make you human in ways that just a building or a place or a house cannot. 
And by the way, the advantage of having the Ten Commandments as my word to travel with you is just that. My word, my love note can be with you at all times. It's not stuck in one place. The same thing is true when Jesus talks to the people in John. I go with you. I'm not stuck in one place. And the words imprinted on your hearts will always be there. We walk into another year where it might be difficult to get together for Easter, that moment when God's plan takes its momentous place in our theology and in our lives. And I know we long to be in this place. But these are the words that I can give this morning. Just as the Ten Commandments can go with you, the Word of God is intended to walk with you in your relationship with Jesus. That paraclete spirit that John proclaims, the Gospel of John proclaims about Jesus, is imprinted on our hearts and makes it hearts of flesh not of stone, makes it relational, not building and structure alone. It makes it, makes it so much more than what it is. We will have our place, and we will gather together soon. But even if we're restrained for one more year, take heart. God has been with us in our virtual worship. God has been with us as we have connected over Zoom and in meetings and in Bible studies and in morning prayer. The prayers are prayed, the people are added, people are ministered to, even in this time of social distancing and care. And we're on the cusp of breaking forth, no longer in a wilderness, but into our spaces where we gather together and see each other. And the closer we get and the further on we have in this patience that we have maintained, the closer we come to being able to see each other face to face in three dimensions, to be able to get close to elbow hugging or knuckle hugging, or maybe soon even to embrace as we have in the peace. Remember, as the disciples did, when we come together, the real issue is that we are together. And that, yes, this wonderful place that has been prayed for, wept over, and sweated over, is holy because God and we are here. And that is why it is important to remember that nothing can stop God in his relationship with us from being together with us. Amen.